Please note that the following podcast includes discussions of crimes and violence. It may contain graphic descriptions that could be disturbing to some listeners. The show also features talk about the consumption of cannabis, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Yeah, it smells like paper and stuff. Anyways, um, so hi everybody, it's Linnea again with Getting High with True Crime. And today, for episode 21, part one, uh, we have, uh, Melissa is taking the week off. Uh, so we have uh, my oldest offspring. The coolest one ever. I don't know. Whoa. Your little sister's pretty cool in other ways you guys are like you have your special talents i'm not allowed to pick favorites you said i was your favorite that one time i also told your sister she was my favorite another time so jeez louise (laughs) make up your mind lady uh yeah so we're here she's gonna fill in today and possibly for part two um oh my god you're so weird don't be weird let's try sorry okay Okay, so today in episode 21, part one, we're going to be talking about Elizabeth Wetlawfer. That's a funny last name. <laughs> she needs a new one, respectfully. Is she alive still? That I don't know. Um, I'm going to guess she probably is. Oh, yeah. Um, anyways, she is a serial killer nurse. Um, that's sorry, I was trying to think of the, the thing from... Um... Psycho, the thing, the scene, the scene where there's like, oh, that, yeah, that. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Um, so it starts off. We'll go a little bit about Elizabeth's history, how she got to where she's at. Slay bestie. <laughs> Actually, don't don't slay any more people. <laughs> so Elizabeth was born in 1967 on June 10th in Woodstock, Ontario. Elizabeth's family was very religious, like very strict, very religious. This was not an issue for Elizabeth until she was a teenager when she realized she was attracted to women. Women. (laughs) (laughs) She kept this secret for as long as possible. Uh, She suppressed her sexuality, and this is probably some of what led to what happened on later in her life. In school, Elizabeth was often the shy kid keeping to herself mostly. She did try to participate in various after-school activities to try and fit in, but even then she was still awkward and alone. In 1987, Elizabeth started college, taking journalism courses before ending up at a Bible college to learn about religious counseling. 
Her father also started taking classes at the Bible College too. Possibly to watch over Elizabeth, as I think they may have started having suspicions that that she was friendly. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) At some point, her dad was told that Elizabeth had been seen out at a gay-friendly church with another woman as her date to an event. Whoa. Her father's still needing man. Yeah, her father forced her to move back home. So that's sad. She had to quit school and move back home. That's a lame father. Elizabeth agreed to go to conversion therapy so that her dad would allow her to go back to college. Pray the gay away. That's what except, they say there. Except that's been proven not to work yeah. So, and to cause more harm than good. In 1991, after completing conversion therapy, Elizabeth went back to the Bible college. <coughs> and she completed her degree in religious counseling. In 1992, she enrolled in a three-year nursing program. She found joy in this and graduated in 1995 and became a nurse in Ontario. Her first job was at a night, as a night nurse at, a, at the Geraldton Hospital, a town far away from a lot of places. The remoteness took a, lo- a toll on Elizabeth and she soon started to drown her depression with alcohol. That's not a good way to cope. September 12, 1995, Elizabeth was seen stumbling out of a bathroom at work, looking quite out of it. She then collapsed, and upon examination, it was noted that her speech was slurred and that her pupils were very small. Elizabeth denied taking anything when first asked about the incident, but upon further questioning, admitted she had taken lorazepam. Uh, How much was unsure as her story changed each time she talked to someone. Eventually, she confessed that it was many pills and that she had been trying to end her life. On October 13, 1995, after an internal investigation, Elizabeth was fired from the hospital. I think that's a good idea. Because, yeah. Try to off herself. Yeah, she needs more help than to be helping patients. So, at that point, she went back home. She found a new job at a group home by the name of Christian Horizons. The job was that of a personal support worker. So not quite a nurse. They actually work underneath nurses. But, like, they don't have all the same authority and power that nurses have. Yeah. So November 15th, 1996, the Geraldton Hospital settled on the grievance that Elizabeth had submitted about her being fired. She said that due to her depression, um, uh, was what, oh, What had happened was due to the health reasons. So the reason why she did what she did that led to her being fired was because of her depression. Therefore, it was a health issue and not something else. So they should have offered help, not fired her. Yeah. Um, The hospital eventually agreed and cleared her record, changing her being fired to her resigning due to health reasons. Her record was squeaky clean. This meant that any future employer contacting the hospital for references would not be told of the incident. Oh. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, no. She was possibly still trying to be straight, um, so she, but she, uh, so she began to date Daniel Wetlawfer. A year later, they married. Oh, was that why she has the last name? Yeah. She should have married a better guy, because that's a bad last name. Uh, she still drank, and it affected her work. Apparently, she had mixed up patients. 
Oh, apparently she had mixed up patients' medications several times. Christian Horizons Group Home contacted the Ontario College of Nurses and notified them of Elizabeth's alcohol dependency. She had to, as a consequence, submit to random urine tests, and she also had to remain drug and alcohol free. Uh, things over the next year seemed to be going well for Elizabeth. In May of 1998, Elizabeth had her full nursing license restored, so she had completed all that she was required to for the duration of time she was required to do it. She said required a lot of times. My brain didn't require. Acquire what yeah. I said. <laughs> there we go. Um, her fellow employees had nothing but good things to say about Elizabeth and her new self. But deep down, Elizabeth was not happy. It was all an act. In 2006, Elizabeth could not deny her true feelings towards women and started frequently, uh, frequenting sorry, an online website by the name of Gay Canada. The pressures of leading the double life drove Elizabeth into an even deeper depression. And in the summer of 2006, she checked herself into a psychiatric hospital um, and she kept seeing her psychiatrist once a month after leaving the hospital, despite that's... not really liking him. Oh, that's good. Uh... The psychiatrist diagnosed Elizabeth with borderline personality disorder, so BPD. BPD is a mental disorder, mental health disorder, sorry, that impacts how you think about yourself and others. It can be hard to regulate one's emotions, and some of the symptoms can be fear of abandonment, inappropriate anger, risky behavior, and impulsiveness. Elizabeth started on medication, hopeful that she could regain control of her life. In February of 2007, Elizabeth's husband, Daniel, found out about her online relationships and left her. Elizabeth was ashamed that she could not control her attraction to women, and she was also angry that Daniel had left her because of it. Girly Pop was cheating on him. Yep. Uh, Though Elizabeth was taking medication for her BPD, she claimed to hear a voice in her head that told her it would use her. Her interpretation of this voice is that it was the voice of God. What would use her? The drug? The voice in her head. The voice would use her? Yeah. And she thought that that voice in her head was the voice of God. That's not good. She's like schizophrenic. No, it's, it's, she's just really delusional. Um, Elizabeth got a roommate named Maureen. Maureen did not make a lot of money, so Elizabeth found a better-paying job uh, at Crescent Care. Uh, She would be a full nurse once again. So she would be working with seniors going through physio and rehabilitation. Elizabeth and Maureen also began a romantic relationship, which her family refused to acknowledge. They would only refer to Maureen as Elizabeth's roommate. I mean, at least they're not, like... The roommate with benefits. (laughs) June 2007. At the care home, Elizabeth was discovering that her new job was stressful. Part of her new job was to count out medicine at the beginnings and ends of her shift to be given out to the patients. After a while, she realized how unsupervised her medicine cart was. Wait, is she working with old people in the rehabilitation? Oh, no. She began to replace patients' medication with laxatives and pocketing their pills. Like, So she would just do a swap. Oh, I feel bad for those patients, man. No kidding. During this, she realized that insulin, unlike opioids, was not tracked as strictly. If insulin is given to someone who does not need it, it can drop their blood sugar so low it can be fatal. 
Yeah. So Elizabeth went to the room of an elderly patient by the name of uh, Clotilda. Is she killing old people? That's mean. We're getting into it. Oh. Elizabeth claimed that God may have may have wanted Clotilda. Elizabeth injected Clotilda with insulin. She stood there, just watching her begin the process of a low blood sugar episode. Other nurses noticed Clotilda and reacted quickly, saving her life. No one suspected Elizabeth, so she got away with it. Albina, Clotilda's sister, also in the same center, suffered from dementia and was also a resident there. In October of 2007, Elizabeth injected Albina with long-acting insulin. What's long? Is it just last so, longer? Um, it takes longer to fully take effect. So long-acting insulin lowers the blood sugar slowly over time, not rapidly like short-acting. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so approximately four hours. Mm-hmm. Eventually, another nurse came around it and noticed Albina's symptoms, treated her, and saved her life. Once again, Elizabeth got away with it, scot-free. No one suspected her involvement. So she's attempted murder twice and got away with it twice? Yeah. Mm. She's kind of conducting research. Oh. Because I, I believe with Clotilda, she did the short-acting insulin. Yeah. And with Albina, she did the long-acting. Albina. Yeah. Lean. Elizabeth seemed to take her anger at her her life not being the way she wanted it out on her patients. Elizabeth still tried to justify her actions by choosing to believe that God was directing her to end the suffering of her patients. Her next victim, James Silcox, had just had hip surgery, so was recovering at the care center. He had dementia and had recently had a stroke. So these things kind of made him a little bit irritable and hard to deal with sometimes. He was a demanding patient, and Elizabeth immediately did not like him. Some of the nurses complained that James could be handsy, trying to touch them inappropriately and whatnot. On August 11, 2007, Elizabeth came to work and was doing a double shift. Around 9.30 p.m., Elizabeth grabbed a spare insulin needle from the medicine cart. She entered James' room and told him that the doctor had asked her to give him a vitamin shot. She proceeded to inject James with 50 units of short-acting insulin, like she had given Clotilda. After suffering for six hours, he passed away at 3.30 in the morning. Elizabeth followed protocol, checking for vitals, and once determining that the patient was in fact dead, she called the doctor on duty. The doctor examined James and determined that an embolism... which is the blockage of an artery due to clots or other substances, was most likely to be the cause of James's death. And once again, Elizabeth had gotten away with it. She took this as a sign from God. Oh, that's not... After killing James, Elizabeth went about her day and life as usual, like nothing had happened. Elizabeth had started drinking again to help suppress her urges. To hurt others. Yeah, because she was finding that the go ahead when she um did these things that she actually felt better like it was like a stress relief like it was a good coping mechanism except it's not good but for her it worked it worked still not good (laughs) um elizabeth yeah so she had started drinking and despite many mistakes at work and i put mistakes in the air quotes here uh she never really did get in trouble 
because everybody seemed to really like her. So Maurice Gannat, an 84-year-old man at the Caressant home, was targeted by Elizabeth. December 22, 2007, Elizabeth greeted Maurice. She came over to him and began to administer medication. Maurice reached out and grabbed Elizabeth's breast. She was unimpressed and she got very angry. After 5.30 p.m., Elizabeth returned to Maurice's room with an insulin needle. She explained it was another vitamin shot. This he was used to, so he did not argue. She injected a lethal dose of insulin into Maurice's thigh, as that was the only place left that had a lot of tissue, being as he was a cancer survivor. Uh, she sat back and watched. Eventually, other nurses noted that Maurice was having trouble and moved him to a room closer to the nurse's desk so they could better observe him. Her shift ended before Maurice passed away, and Elizabeth went home, a bit upset that she could no longer control the situation. The next time she had a shift, she searched, searched the medical report for Maurice's death, noting that nowhere in the report did any suspicion fall on her. His death had been listed as natural due to old age. Elizabeth was relieved, and again, Elizabeth believed that because she had not been caught, that God had wanted her to do this. That's not good. Nope. Uh. And justifying it as God's will made her not feel guilty about what she had done. Elizabeth didn't feel another urge to kill until later in 2008. When I was born. Yep. <laughs> it was around then that Elizabeth and Maureen were uh, yeah, Maureen were in the process of breaking up. Oh, her girlfriend? Yeah. Her roommate with benefits? Yeah. So it was around this time that she selected her next victim. At least it wasn't her, like her roommate. Yeah. But that is where I'm going to leave it for now. No! Yes. <laughs> That's kind of mean. Well, yeah. Um, We'll do another episode about Elizabeth next week. And we'll go over more of her victims and the outcome of what happens. But yeah, so uh, if you have a little voice in your head. Don't listen to it. And it's telling you to bad do bad things. I would seriously recommend seeing a doctor. <laughs> because it's not God telling you to kill people. Yeah, because killing people is not a good coping mechanism for depression. <laughs> yeah, just don't do it. It's kind of bad. Yeah. So... But yeah, so how did you like your first time sitting in on an episode? I thought it would be longer. Normally it is longer, but normally me and Melissa are a little bit lifted and we ramble on about things and weird tangents and stuff. So. Yeah, you guys aren't like, hi. <laughs> yes. Well, you got quite a nice little picture going on there, though. She's been doodling the whole episode. Yeah, I'm not allowed to draw myself. What? You guys get mad at me when I draw myself. Oh, on yourself. Yep. I thought you said draw myself like a portrait. And I was like confused. Yeah, no, I would have laughed <laughs> if it had touched on your face. I got worried there. Eh, missile or water probably take it off. Maybe. Maybe. I just like continue it and just draw myself a mustache and a unibrow. And a beard. You would, wouldn't you? Would you commit? Oh, you don't go to school anymore. It's summer holidays now, so you don't even. You would send a picture to Kaylee, though, wouldn't you? I'd send. A... I'd email my teachers. <laughs> they would get a C. 
that's probably funny. They'd be like, well, at least you're enjoying your summer holiday. Yep. Yeah. So, anyways, that is the first part of Elizabeth. I'm not telling you that yet. You'll have to wait till next week. Or I search it out by myself. You could do the research. The power of Google. <laughs> yes. Meow. Sorry, guys. My my daughter's weird. Okay, well. Are you assuming my gender? Ugh. Don't be weird like that. Because we both know you identify as a she, her. Okay. Would you like a box of chocolates? Oh. As Ken once said. Ken? From Barbie Life in the Dream House. When did he say that? Um, when Ryan was like daydreaming about Ken giving Barbie a box of chocolates and Ken was like, Would you like a box of chocolates in a weird funky accent? Um, Barbie, like, took the box of chocolates and shoved it in his face. Oh, right, because Ryan wants Barbie. Yeah. I love that show. It's great. Okay, well, I guess we should say goodbye. Bye-bye. See what I mean? She's creepy as hell. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Quit faking it. We both know you pride yourself on being creepy. Maybe. Just a little. A lot. <laughs> okay. Well. Meow! <coughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.